Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Verses that I want to read are verses 25 through 26 of Acts chapter 16 from the King James Version. It says, and at midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners, the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone, everyone's bands were loosed. Amen. I want to preach this morning from this thought. When our worship, when our worship becomes our witness. What is recorded in this chapter is a record of Paul's missionary journey. Second missionary journey, he had spent the first journey establishing churches within the realm and the region And here he is on his second missionary journey, his normal partner, the fellow missionary that he launched this endeavor with, they're no longer together after a conflict that centered around John Mark. Silas is now partnering with Paul as they go about the region spreading the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they're doing it at a time when the church is experiencing explosive growth. We've moved at this point in the book of Acts from addition to multiplication. The church is increasing exponentially. It's increasing in growth and size dramatically. And at this season in Paul's ministry on this second journey, his mission is redirected. It is rerouted by the Holy Spirit. He had determined to go to one of the provinces of Asia, and God said no. He thought, I'll go to Bithynia. God said no. He thought, I'd go to Messiah. God says no. And then in a vision at night, he sees a Macedonian. This is a significant province. It's a significant place in the Roman Empire with storied history. He sees a man of Macedonia standing up on the shores of this Province near the Aegean Sea, beckoning him and Silas to come and share the gospel there. And so in this town, this colony town and city of Philippi, we have recorded here as a part of that larger narrative an important element in how the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ reaches its tentacles to the furthest realms of the then known world. What we see here 
If we read all of it in context, beginning with the first chapter of Acts up to this point, what we are witnessing is what began, what began in the inner recesses of the disciples' personal experience with the Lord extends itself, leverages itself to the uttermost reaches of the then known world. This passage is inherently evangelistic because it's recording the spread of the evangel, the evangelion. That's how it sounds in the original language. It's recording the spread of the gospel to and throughout the empire. But what is significant and why I guess this text just wrestled with me and me with it is that Contrary to our thinking, contrary to our deductions is the fact that this expansion, this evangelistic trajectory and thrust comes not by witnessing. It comes through worshiping. What this text reminds us of is that the growth, the explosive growth of the church was not so much a factor of its witnessing as it was its worship. Its worship. And so this text begs the question, what happens when our worshiping becomes our witnessing? What happens when when our worship becomes our witness? Because inherent in that question is if we don't worship, If we don't genuinely, enthusiastically, energetically worship, it will hamper and handicap our witness. That's why I say on Sunday morning, that's prime time. That's when the witnessing community comes in from the world, from the hedges and the highways where we're compelling others to come and we worship the one who is the center of our joy. So what happens when our worship becomes our witness? I'm glad you asked three things. First of all, when our worship becomes our witness, our burdens become our blessings. The burdens of ministry, the burdens of being a believer are inherent in this text. They are obvious as well in this text. Paul and Silas was where God told them to be. They were in the center of God's will, his geographical, vocational viewpoint will. They were at the place God wanted them to be. And yet, here we find them in this text, after sharing the gospel, after witnessing and preaching this gospel, we find them belittled, beaten, battered, bruised and bound. It's kind of like that stanza in one of those old gospel songs I love, the Lord will make a way somehow. I love that stanza that says, try to do my best in service. Try to live the best I can, but when I choose to do the right thing, evil's present on every hand. I look up and wonder why good fortune passed me by. Then I say to my soul, take carriage. The Lord will make a way somehow. 
our thinking, our processing is that, God, if I'm doing what you tell me to do, if I'm saying what you tell me to say, if I'm where you tell me to be, then everything's going to be all right. We live in a day and time, I hate to say it, when too many believers, in order for them to serve the Lord, they have to have a certain comfort level. They cannot deal effectively with the irritants, with the problems. Doesn't take too much for, for the devil to run many of us away away from the ministry, away from the gift he's given you, or even away from the church. We move from serving to sitting. Sometimes on the turn of a tongue. But here we have Paul and Silas experiencing extreme abuse. But they transfer and transform the burden into a blessing. The text says, we find them, we find them in prison. They are praying and praising. Even in the original language, the, the etymology, the vocabulary, the words, they are similar. Both of them deal with blessing. But when we pray, we're asking blessing from God. When we praise, we're offering blessing to God. In either situation, we may be experiencing trouble and trial and burden and adversity. And yet, we bless the Lord. Blessing from God, we beseech him. Blessing to God, we praise him. We eulogize him. In fact, we miss it in translation. But in the original language, you don't know where praying begins and praising ends. Because in this text, what jumps out is that the petitions change into praise. And the invocations change into intercessions. And that's the way it goes on in the life of a true child of God. Sometimes we find ourselves praying to God and then our mind goes back and wonder. I know I have a witness up in here, somebody who fell down on their knees and said, Father, I stretch my hand to thee, no other help I know. And in the midst of it, you start shouting, you started singing, you started praising God for the things he's already done. Here they were in prison. And they started praying and praising. And the two meshed and the two merged and you didn't know where one started and the other ended. Reminds me of Job. Lost everything he had. Incredible burden of grief. Sense of loss. And yet he said, naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked I returned. The Lord gave. Lord takes away. Blessed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No wonder later in this book, Job, he would write of his experience. He says, I serve God, my maker, who gives songs in the night. It's easy to sing when the sun is shining. It's easy to sing when you can pay your bills on time. It's easy to sing when everybody thinks well of you. It's easy to sing when your body is whole, but when you're going through it, 
have to know something about him to, to translate those burdens, to transform them into blessings. Wife said, you ought to curse God and die. Job said, listen. He said, I can't do it. All the days of my appointed time, I've got to wait till my change comes. So when our worship becomes our witness, burdens become blessings. When our worship becomes our witness in the second instance, our barriers become bridges. If you read it too fast, you'll miss this movement in the text. Paul and Silas praying and praising God and all the prisoners heard them. When you read it, the text could be consistent. It could be coherent without that phrase in it. But the Holy Ghost wanted us to know that when they truly worship all the other prisoners, all the other prisoners heard them. See, here's the problem we have in church today is that folk think worship is just about them. How I feel. How I look. How I respond. But the reality is there are some other prisoners in the house. Because in essence, we all dealing with stuff. We all got shackles on. There's all of us struggling with something. But you got to worship God in such a way that what he's done for you, you got to communicate it so all the other prisoners can hear. Somebody else's well-being may be dependent on how they see you go through your stuff. How you handle your problem. The force of the original is when it says all the other prisoners heard them, when you get under the hood of it, the word used in the original language is they listen with pleasure. They listen intently. The exuberance, the enthusiasm, the effervescence of their praise move from sail to sail. All the other prisoners heard them. And you can appreciate this when you understand that it was not just the walls and the bars of the individual cells that separated them. But you could say, if you really think about it, there was probably economic separation. There was probably racial and ethnic separation. There was separation in terms of the things uh, of the crimes they'd been convicted of that brought them to prison. But no matter how you cut it, everybody there were prisoner. And when these two, when these two children of God worship under the conditions they were experiencing, they perhaps was doing something for others they couldn't do for themselves. Worship transforms barriers into bridges. There was a church in Poland during World War II that was underground. The persecution, the oppression of the Nazis caused them to have to worship uh, in secret. And at this particular church, one, one evening as they were worshiping in secret, SS guards broke through the doors. 
they had their rifles, their pistols pulled. But these children of God, they just kept worshiping. In threat of their own lives, they, they kept worshiping. And then something amazing happened. Every one of the guards laid their weapons down. And somebody said, we came here, we heard about Christians worshiping in this place. We got a tip, but we wanted to see how serious you are about your faith. And we want to be saved too. We want to be saved too. Our barriers become bridges. Our burdens become blessings. But our bonds become badges. Our bonds, our shackles, our handcuffs, those things that constrain us, our bonds become our badges. Bible says an earthquake shook the prison, rocked the foundations, doors swung open, people who are constrained, experience of freedom they never had before, shackles began to loosen. When we enter this text, we see the disciples with shackles on their feet. When we leave it, we see them having shackles at their feet. And the difference in the interim is worship. They were still in prison, but they were free. You can still have your stuff. You can still have your problem. The evidence, the, the substance of it can still be there. But when you make that connection to God, he gives you a freedom. They were all free. Not just the two that worship, but the rest of them that heard. You read this text, every cell door cracked open. Every shackle fell off. Maybe Tasha Cobb was thinking about this when she wrote the song, There's Power in the Name of Jesus. To break every chain. To break every chain. To break every chain. If the devil really understood how God worked, how he uses trouble to bless us, how he uses trouble to turn barriers into bridges, how he uses trouble to turn bonds and shackles into badges we wear. I was sinking deep in sin, but God changed me. Listen, when I look back at my life and how I got over, I can truly say the Lord has made a way this morning. It doesn't seem like there's a big difference between the word adversity and the word advertisement. God is so good. God is so good at what God does that he can take what the devil meant for evil and he can transform it into good. He can take your adversity and turn it into advertisement. He can take your burden and turn it into a billboard. Early this morning, an image jumped in my mind. They've got these things. They're called balloon magic.
Wilkins. Uh, I was passing down the interstate uh, and there was an auto dealership uh, that had a balloon mannequin. Uh, now the manufacturers, uh, they call it signage on your yard. Uh, I'm going to transfer it today uh, and call it signage on the church. Uh, it occurred to me uh, that the manufacturer of these human-like creatures uh, that are used for advertisement, uh, they thrive on adversity uh, because the manufacturers assume uh, that when the wind blows, uh, it's going to fill up the balloon uh, and the balloon's going to stand up uh, and start waving uh, and starts attracting uh, customers to the lot uh, and customers to the business. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you uh, what trouble does in my life. Uh, it raises me up. It raises me up uh, like that mannequin. Uh, it's filled with air. Uh, if there's no resistance, uh, if there's no force, uh, it lies flat on the ground. Uh, but when trouble come, uh, when the wind blow, uh, it stands up. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, and it starts waving. Uh, it starts moving. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Lord's been good to uh, the devil tried to trip you up. Uh, the devil tried to turn you around. Uh, but you got your adversity uh, turned into an advertisement. You stood up. You stood up. You stood up. Wave your hands. Wave your hands. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.